Monday night, May 6th at the Hyatt Regency in San Francisco. You're invited to join athletes and celebs at the Bay Area Sports Hall of Fame Enshrinement Dinner. Be there to celebrate this year's class featuring Olympic swimmer Jenny Thompson, San Jose Earthquakes legend Chris Wondolowski, Niners Super Bowl hero John Taylor, Sharks icon Patrick Marlowe, and the architect of the Giants dynasty, Brian Sabian. Be a part of this star-studded evening benefiting Special Olympics Northern California. To purchase tickets, visit Bayshoff.org. That's B-A-S-H-O-F.org. We have a chance to win the Stanley Cup. There's not many teams at the beginning of the year that can say that. We have a chance to, and, and it's got to be on us to make that happen. You're listening to the San Jose Sharks Morning Tide with Ted Ramey. This is our opportunity. Our time is, is now. Our window is now. 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 Now, Downsquay takes a handoff from Kane. Walks to the slot. Can't get it. Turn around. Classic. Shot. Save. Rebound. Scar. There he is again, Tomas Hurdle getting the backhand on it, driving to the net, getting the rebound, and the Sharks take the 2-1 lead with 6.26 gone by in the third period. No, they worked. They worked us, so they won the game. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of Morning Tide. I'm your host, Ted Ramey. Don't forget that each episode of Morning Tide drops the morning after each San Jose Sharks playoff game. And today, it is the morning after a win. A huge performance from the San Jose Sharks to take a 3-2 series lead by way of a 2-1 Game 5 win on home ice, taking advantage of what they have in this series, and that is home ice. I said it in the previous episode, what the Sharks need to do now is at the very least win the remaining games at SAP Center. So far, they've taken care of business in that regard. Now, obviously, the series is going to shift back to Colorado now for game number six, but for the San Jose Sharks, they have taken care of the immediate challenge of using home ice to their advantage. They won the game. They're up 3-2. They've taken control of the series, and now the onus and the pressure and everything is all on the avalanche. And yes, we are going to see a desperate avalanche team coming up on Monday night, but for right now, we can celebrate a San Jose Sharks win and a series advantage, again, with everything pressure-wise being put back on the avalanche. And this was a game for the San Jose Sharks that it had a feel like things could have gone their way, especially when the early goal got taken away due to that high-sticking call. I didn't like that one bit, um, but that was kind of the feeling, especially when you saw the way that these two goalies were playing. When you have the Sharks and you have a team like Colorado, it, when it's the Stanley Cup playoffs, let's be you know blunt about it, and you score a goal early on in a series as hotly contested as this, as contentious as this, and it gets taken off the board, that's going to hurt. Believe me, we all still remember the, uh, the I'll be kind, the, the call I disagree with from the first series against Vegas when Logan Couture was called for goalie interference, um, it was not, in my humble opinion, but they wiped the goal off and it changed the entire dynamic of that game because the Char- Sharks had just come back from a 3-0 deficit to tie it. It looked like they were going to take the lead. It was it was huge in that moment, and then it got wiped off the board. When you got shut out in game number four by Grubauer, who was playing with greater and greater confidence to score a goal and then see it wiped off the board, that gave you kind of that early feeling of, uh-oh, 
this could be another negative game for the Sharks. It just planted these little seeds of doubt in your brain. And that's what happens in the playoffs. And that's what happens when you're a fan. Now, the way the Sharks team has responded all year and all throughout these playoffs, they are defined at this point by their resiliency. And I never feel like the Sharks are out of a game. And it's funny that you've seen these moments throughout the postseason where the Sharks do respond to negativity and they are able to get themselves back in games. But just that one call that went against them early in such a critical game. It made me uh, feel quite negative, but that was that was wiped away. But you saw back and forth, you know, both Grubauer and Jones, they were playing amazing. And you had the feeling that, you know, maybe just one goal in this game was going to win it or there weren't going to be a whole lot of goals at all. And that's the way it was playing. And so when you kept thinking back to that one that got wiped off, you realized that there were some ramifications to that. And, you know, just going to that whole point, of the goalies and the importance in this series, Grubauer has been phenomenal. I know we're not in the business of complimenting the opposition too much, but he really, really, really has been phenomenal. He's coming off a shutout. He's coming off a performance when he was frustrating the Sharks and just making it look like he was completely in control. And that looked like it was extending into game number five. And you're coming up on five periods where the Sharks haven't been able to score when they did finally break through. But that, to me, is more and more the reasons why I was feeling negativity. And, of course, Colorado goes up one nothing, and you start thinking to yourself, uh-oh, I saw what happened last game. I know how good Grubauer has been. I know how this might be trending for the rest of this game. But the other side of it was Jones, even though, yes, he did let one in, he was playing excellent hockey. He has been absolutely amazing since Game 5, of the series against Vegas, really since the Sharks' turnaround began in that series. He was great in Game 5. He was out of his head in Game 6. He outperformed Fleury in Game number 7. And then we've seen what he's been able to do so far in this series. And a lot of people remember, we go back to the middle of that series against Vegas and people wanted him out. They did not want him in there for the Sharks. People were, you know, using him as the, uh, not the greatest of all time, G-O-A-T, but they were making a goat out of him. He was the blame. He was the sacrificial lamb for why everything was going wrong for the Sharks. And listen, he'd be the first guy to tell you that he wasn't playing up to his own lofty standards, but I feel like it's necessary to remind people that Martin Jones is the only goalie that has gotten the San Jose Sharks to the Stanley Cup final. I mean, you want to talk about whether it's a Nabby or a Nemo or whoever you want to list up there. This is the guy that got the Sharks to the Stanley Cup final. And now that the Sharks are in the process of making another run that hopefully gets deeper and deeper, he's tightened up his game again and he's playing at a level that's allowing the Sharks to be ahead 3-2 in the Western Conference semifinals on an avalanche team that's gotten better and better as the year has gone on, that's fast, that's dangerous, that's explosive, that has arguably the top line in the NHL or the Western Conference, and he is performing beautifully. I mean, that's the thing about Martin Jones. He has taken... Um, all the abuse, all the criticism, he's internalized it, maybe, or maybe he's completely ignored it, and now he's looking like he is one of the premier goalies in the entirety of the, not just the Stanley Cup playoffs, but the NHL. He is looking like a guy who can be a completely shut down goalie when you need him to be, and that's, that's huge, and yeah, when you're going up a guy against a guy like Grubauer who's playing at this high of a level, you need somebody like that, and Jones is completely stepping up to the occasion, and 
You know, you get another guy to step up like Tomas Hurdle, who had just another huge night last night. Tomas Hurdle, I mean, how much can we say about this guy? I mean, it goes back to uh, fun must be always with him, and uh, I'll forever associate Joe Thornton's comments about his uh, four-goal game. But Hurdle is everything that we thought he could be, and he's fought through the knee injuries, and he's built his way into being just this ultimate player. I mean, that's the thing. We look at Tomas Hurdle and we see a guy that he can score. He can change a guy, a game. He's dynamic. He makes everyone around him better. Um, you know, we heard it from Peter DeBoer earlier in the series talking about moving him to center and that's why everything changed for him. Um, or maybe that was after game five or game six when he scored the game winner. Either way, it was earlier in the postseason when DeBoer made those comments about him. But yeah, I mean, you see that stuff with Hurdle, you know why he was so highly touted, and then he has performances like this again tonight, where he's scoring both both the goals, and he's putting the Sharks in the uh, in the position to win the game. You know, you get guys to step up like Hurdle, you get guys to step up like Jones, and the thing that's frustrating about this is it's not like Hurdle hasn't been playing really really good hockey throughout the entirety of the series, or you know, I know people have been waiting for Timo Meyer to have more of a breakout game, or Kane, or whoever you want to talk about. Um, you know, Logan Couture had a hat trick and that isn't to say that he didn't have other games where he was really, really good. It's just that the Stanley Cup playoffs are really, really hard. It's not supposed to be like the regular season where your high level of play is rewarded on a more consistent basis. It's harder and harder and harder, almost at an exponential level to break through. And we've seen that from Hurdle. He was rewarded last night. His gameplay was rewarded with huge goals at huge moments, which allowed the Sharks to get the lead and the win. And you couple that with a performance from Jones, and that's how they got this far. And, you know, I think there were probably times during the regular season where Martin Jones deserved to have better stats than what was shown. And I'm sure there were times he would tell you that, yeah, he wasn't good enough. But again, you look at the Stanley Cup playoffs and you look what they demand of these athletes, the Sharks, different players are rising to the situation, whether it's Logan Couture, whether it's Tomas Hurdle, whether it's Martin Jones, all these guys, even Jumbo, you go back to game one, it was him and his third line that outperformed uh, Colorado and allowed the Sharks without their captain uh, to win game one, coming off of a highly emotional game number seven. That is massive. And it's massive because you see the effort. You saw how hard it was for the Sharks to win last night. And they know it's going to be that hard to win game number six or game number seven, whatever it's going to take. It's not going to be easier for the Sharks to win from this po point on. I am of the mind that each game in the Stanley Cup playoffs gets harder and harder to win. I know everybody says that game four of any series is the hardest, and I you know, agree with that in theory, but... It's just going to be all-out difficult. It's going to take another effort like what we saw from those guys last night to get the fourth win in this series. And it will take just an effort like that, if not more so, if they're lucky enough to get into the, the conference finals. And then you keep on going from there. It's not easy. And that's why you look at these different guys who are stepping up in different games. And that's the depth that the Sharks have this year, which is a little bit different than I think they've had in other years, is you have these different guys in different moments that have been able to step up for the Sharks. Like I just alluded to with Joe Thornton. Joe Thornton, one of the greatest players of all time. He's your third-line center. In what world is that remotely fair? It's not. 
And also the Sharks are up 3-2 on the Avs without their captain and leading goal scorer, Joe Pavelski. How are they doing this? Depth. I mean, yes, you talk to you know Doug Wilson and the team design and everything that the Sharks have scouted and the way they put together this team. There are many, many, many factors and many reasons that the Sharks built this team into what it is now. But when we're looking at an individual series, we don't have time to talk about how the team drafted and moves were made and trades and all these things. It's depth. That's what's playing out before our eyes. I don't know how many other teams in the entirety of the NHL could lose their captain and their leading goal scorer and be up three games to two. Think about that for a second. Yes, we are talking frequently about when Joe Pavelski is going to be back, but it hasn't slowed the Sharks down too much. If anything, it's just put the onus on other guys and made them realize they have to step up. Not that no anyone ever needs to tell that to Logan Couture, but after game two, he said to himself that he and his line needed to step up. So he responded with a big-time performance, a hat trick. Tomas Hurdle, we've been waiting for him to have his breakthrough in this series. And yeah, that happened. I mean, that's what depth can do. It can allow multiple players to have multiple games where they have these huge moments. And that's what, you know, that's what teams that win the Stanley Cup do. They have different guys that they can rely upon. And think about how good the Sharks could potentially be with Joe Pavelski back. That's the scary part about this. It's not that they don't miss him because obviously they are, but they're able to rely on the other things they have, the other weapons, the other players, the other leaders, and they're up 3-2 on a very, very, very talented Colorado Avalanche team. No, they worked. They worked us. So they won the game. Head coach of the Avs, Jared Bednar. You know, like I'm not going to overanalyze it. I, I thought we got it worked in the first period. We started to come... Um, Power play kind of slowed us, or penalty kill kind of slowed us down a little bit. We had a couple of kills there in the second, but we started to find our legs. But they, I felt like they were more competitive than us tonight. And after the loss, it was pointed out to Bednar that his avalanche group looked as dejected as they had looked all year long. We'll get them back for game six. I mean, it's it's disappointing because you're, you're, you know, you knew someone at the end of the night was going to be facing elimination, right? So they've been working all year to try and you know, get to this point and keep moving on. So it is disappointing. It's, it should be, you know, we should be, there should be a little bit of frustration because we know we didn't play as, as good as we can play. There should be some disappointment and, you know, we'll look at some things on video and we'll turn the page and get ready to go. We got to go win game six. That's what our focus will become. But for now, I think it's good that we're disappointed a little bit. A little bit more here from Bednar before we get to Brett Hedekin. The Sharks have been doing a very good job on the penalty kill, particularly that first period after the uh, the penalty against Meyer that wiped off the Sharks' goal. That was a big kill, but Bednar was asked about the Sharks' effectiveness against the power play of Colorado after the loss. All right, and now joining us on Morning Tide, it is the one and only Brett Hedekin. Hedy, man, another very, very impressive victory for the San Jose Sharks, you know, just the more and more we get deeper into these playoffs, I love the grit and I continually love the response. They go down one nothing. Grubauer is getting better and better. You're coming up on five periods since you scored a goal. And then the Sharks and Tomas Hurdle just have such a huge response. 
Well, yeah, without question. I mean, Grubauer, the goaltender for the Colorado Avalanche, really the story here tonight. Sharks put up a lot of shots on goal, and he just seemed to be the difference. 39 shots for the Sharks, only 22 for the Colorado Avalanche. And that tells you much of what happened here tonight. But the Sharks actually got the scoring started in that first period. Joe Thornton makes a terrific pass into Kevin LeBanc. And Timo Meyer was stuck out there from the shift light before. He drew him to the front of net. And as Tyson Berry, the defenseman for Colorado, lifted his stick, it came up and maybe clipped Rantanen in the side of the head. Um, at least that's what the officials thought. Uh, upon further review, it looked questionable as maybe he was uh, embellishing it, if you will. Nonetheless, that goal that Kevin LeBanc scored uh, came off the board, and it was a two-minute penalty, high-sticking for Timo Meyer. So, yeah, things didn't go their way early on in this hockey game. And as you mentioned, Colorado got the scoring started on that kind of deflected play uh, that just uh, the forward for the Avalanche scored. It really went off his body on a Brent Burns clearing play. But waited for the Sharks to stick with it here tonight. And they come on on top. And the other story out of this one, obviously, uh, that my go-to next is just Tomas Hurdle. I mean, this guy is just coming up big time again and again throughout these playoffs. I mean, this year was kind of the actualization, the realization of everything we've all thought Tomas Hurdle could be. He was, you know, fully healthy coming into the year. He was mostly, you know, as healthy as any hockey player is going to be over the course of the year. You know, he started, you know, closing in on the idea of a 40-goal year. He didn't quite get there, but I want to say it was 35 at the end of the season. I mean, this guy, he can just do it all, and he's picked his moments here in the postseason and once again had the right moment for a huge game. Yeah, the right moment, absolutely. And you look at just what he did in the first round against the Vegas Golden Knights. He was the man for me that without Tomas Hurdle, we don't win that series. But he was really quiet through the first four games of this series when he looked at coming into tonight, Game 5, in the previous four games, no goals and two assists, where in that previous round he had six goals in the seven games. So a player that the Sharks really needed to step up, uh, at least on a pivotal night like tonight. And Tomas Hurley, you're right, on that goal, paying the price in front of the net on that nice little tip play on the power play. Sharks really finally get their power play working here tonight much better and were rewarded by it uh, by the seventh of the playoffs for Tomas Hurdle on a redirect from a Logan Couture shot from the top of the, the key, if you will. And, and you're right, Tomas Hurdle is a player that can really be a difference maker here in the next couple of games. Again, we've got Brett Hedekin here on Morning Tide, the official morning show podcast of the San Jose Sharks. You obviously know what it takes to win a Stanley Cup. We talk about... Tomas Hurdle showing up big in this specific game. But from in your experience, how much is it of one guy showing up in a specific game or are there just certain games where the effort is rewarded by the stat line when all is said and done? Because I, I certainly don't want to imply that Hurdle hasn't been playing his butt off. I fully believe he has, but sometimes you're rewarded by that and sometimes you're not. That's just how sports are. Yeah, it, you know, you look at those seven games against you know, Vegas Golden Knights was a war. I mean, it was physical. Maybe the, the most physical first round of any of the rounds in, in the playoffs so far uh, was that Vegas and Sharks series. It was phenomenally tough, and it took a lot out of this team. And I just really, to a man, talked to a lot of the players this morning, and I think what Pete DeBoer, after Game four, 5, was what, 4, excuse me, was really smart. He stayed overnight in Colorado, and then had a 9 o'clock bus in the morning, 
got the guys on a regular schedule, and they've done studies on this, mm-hmm. uh, sleep studies for the players. And by getting up in the morning and having a breakfast and then having lunch, having a good dinner, and a, to a man, I asked these guys, because I felt great waking up this morning, went to bed early, and I finally felt rested this morning. And you know, as an athlete, when you get a little rest, you get some adrenaline back in you, you get some testosterone back in you, and you're able to play with a lot more vigor. And what I saw tonight was a rested team, team that really, from the drop of the puck tonight, dominated all four lines, six defense, and Martin Jones was spectacular on the other side. We talked about Grubauer for Colorado, but Martin Jones, really the number one star here tonight, uh, was phenomenal. Yeah, and Martin Jones, Brett, I mean, this is a guy who people were calling for his head halfway through the Vegas series. They couldn't believe that he was still getting the starts. Pete DeBoer uh, shows again why he is such a brilliant coach and obviously does not listen to any of the outside noise, publicly endorses Jones. Yeah, he, you know, had the players endorse Jones, and Jones has come up with an unbelievable response. And as good as he's been, it's almost like the guy is getting better, and he's just playing with such confidence. When I watch him in the crease it just his presence his overall you know just he just gets bigger game after game and I you know I know that's somewhat psychological but he's a bigger man in front of the net right now I I agree and you're right in that game five I mean after game four it didn't go well in that Vegas series and everybody who like wanted his head nobody wanted him to go in in game five and Jones made all the right saves in game five but then he backs it up with a 58-save performance in Game 6. And then, obviously, the Game 7, we all know what happened. He outplays Marc-Andre Fleury with all the, the three Stanley Cups Fleury has in his back pocket. He gets outplayed by Martin Jones. Uh, but you're right. Tonight, even in Game 4, the game that the Sharks lost in Colorado, he was the best Shark on the ice, without question. And tonight, I was really intrigued to see what we'd see after a terrific game that he played in Game 4, a losing effort, and how we would back it up. And tonight, he was another time in a row here, probably the Sharks' best player. And even though we had a lot of Sharks players making a lot of good plays tonight, it was Martin Jones that made spectacular stops when needed. Do you see anything specific to his game that has changed since everything turned around? We go back to that Game 5 and, of course, the the monster performance in Game 6 against Vegas. But do you see anything specific, or is it just kind of a – a correction. I mean, the the regular season and the start of the playoffs, that was not the Martin Jones we're used to. And I, I always like to remind people is, hey, this is the only Sharks goalie that's gotten them to a Stanley Cup final. I mean, we want to talk about Nabby. You want to talk about Nemo. You know, you go down the list. It's Martin Jones, the one that got them there. I mean, it, I, you know, I just I watch him and I see such a good goal, goalie right now, and I just try to figure out what was going on earlier. Well, you know, I think when he was struggling during the course of the season, I, I think every player goes through different changes that they want to make within their game. And sometimes those changes work, and sometimes they don't. And I think after game four, all of those changes during the regular season that have been you know, hampering his game, if you will, and the lowest save percentage tandem with him and Aaron Dell of any other team in the NHL, it kind of came to a head on game four and in, in round one. And he was really quoted after game six when he had that 58-save performance. He said, I'm, I just, A, I needed to start trusting myself. And two, I needed to start to just read the play. So 
I think he, what he did was he took all of the things that he might have been technically working on throughout the course of the year that wasn't working and just started playing hockey again, mm-hmm. tracking the puck, you know, anticipating the play. Tonight, and what we saw, and the saves that I've seen him make were some glorious opportunities that he made saves when he was moving laterally because he was reading the play. And he was staying in that moment, if you will. And I think that's been the biggest thing that not only did he say it, but I'm actually seeing those things as well. It, it's funny, Brent. Again, we've got Brent Hedekin here on Morning Tide uh, talking about the Sharks' big Game 5 win. They're up now 3-2 in the series, headed to Colorado for Game 6. You talked about Martin Jones trusting himself, and I want to a- ask you about this as it pertains to your career because it reminded me of a, a couple of years ago, Fox left their cameras rolling during a commercial break, and it was for baseball coverage, and they had Pete Rose and Frank Thomas and Alex Rodriguez all talking about hitting and that was what Pete Rose said he said you got to trust yourself when you're having a slump you know your skill set got you here and he talked about how you know maybe he said don't change your swing maybe stand closer to the plate or farther away from the plate or step up in the box or back in the box it's it's interesting to hear you know because usually the athletes aren't that when you get the microphones in front of their face they don't tell you all the intricate details and stuff like that but was that did you ever have moments like that where you just kind of had to step back and say your skills got you here Brett stop trying to correct it just try and make other minor you know go back to what worked for you don't try and change what's worked yeah you know you're going to if you play the game long enough in any professional sport there's going to be moments of self doubt i mean it's it just you have them and and I, I felt like the things that helped me overcome those were things that I had to learn. And these are skills that aren't related to the physical side. They're skills that are related to the mental side. And the mental side is as important as the physical side. And I always reference this to young kids out there that, you know, hopefully are some are listening, the fact that when you go into the weight room, you're doing repetitions of doing weights. Yeah. Well, what we forget sometimes is figuring out, writing down what are the things that you do well. And I always said they're my ABCs, and I would write three things that I do well, and I repeat those things on a daily basis. So anytime you have self-doubt that creeps into your mind, you go back to your ABCs and you remember those. It's almost like a trigger. You're watching a station on TV, you don't like it, you change the channel back to your power channel, and you go back to your ABCs. And with enough of those, you begin to kind of know where you can flip it right back into your ABCs when you go through a struggling time. I think as an athlete, those repetitions... Sometimes people don't realize how important they are, and you get away from them. And I think what Martin Jones did is I think he doubled down on what makes him a great player Mm -hmm. and going back into it. And, yeah, sometimes it's a minor adjustment. It's standing closer or further away from the plate, but you're not really changing, you know, the the spots on the tiger, if you will. Uh, You're just kind of figuring out another way to hunt. And I think what we saw with Jonesy here and other athletes is getting back on track. Again, we've got Brett Hedekin here on Morning Tide. So what do we look to now in game number six? Because you go back to elevation. And let's just let, – let me stop there, Brett. What is it like playing at elevation? Because I – you know, in traveling as a broadcaster, I've gone to the gym in Denver, and yes, I noticed it. Me going to the gym as a guy who likes to lift weights, that's not the same as playing hockey or playing basketball or playing soccer. It, you know, I'm not out there running for hours on end or skating on end for, you know, for hours on end. What is it like playing at elevation? It's, it's tough. I will say I, I didn't particularly love it. Um, <laughs> I had a challenge with it. 
you know, I've broken my nose a bunch of times, so I didn't breathe particularly well through my nose anyway. Um, and then when you get tired out there in that elevation, you're trying to suck wind in as much as you can in through your nose, in through your mouth, anything uh, that will bring more air into those lungs. But, um, you know, I think I think the biggest thing you have to remember, the very first period and the first five or six shifts that you have during the course of the game, they need to be efficient. Mm-hmm. They can't be overextended because when you get tired in elevation, it can kind of bury you for the next five or six minutes before your body fully recovers. So I think they did that in game three. They had success. And I think both of them are in the same, you know, predicament here of playing a game, you know, on coming off of San Jose Sharks sea level, if you will, and heading up to Colorado to play in this, you know, pivotal game six where they close them out. So I think the advantage is nobody at this point for this big game six. It's interesting to to think about going back to that elevation and you, you deal with, you know, things kind of, you know, have the chance to bury you. Like you said, we saw a lot of those 40-second shifts or, or, or less from the Sharks in Game 4 specifically. Does Pete DeBoer go back to that idea? Because well, I guess I can go beyond that. It wasn't always Pete DeBoer. It was the players themselves getting them off the ice quickly. Yeah, I mean, I think the players know um, that they, they have to be efficient. Uh, when it comes to their their line changes, and they know that they don't want to get caught out there because, like I mentioned earlier, it's, it, it'll take some time to to fully recover and get your legs that lactic acid uh, out of the legs of your yourself. So, yeah, it, it's it's a commitment to trusting that hey, I'm going to pass the torch onto my teammates. I'm going to take a 30, 35 second ship, get off, let the next guy get out there and do his 30, 35 seconds. And as you get into that rhythm of that uh, that first period, everybody's kind of involved. So. Hopefully the Sharks can replicate what they did in Game 3 there and what they did tonight uh, on Colorado soil for Game 6 and to close them out. Did you or do you expect Colorado to come out them just kind of firing out the gate and see if they can get the Sharks not to chase the game because they'll be up early, but just to get to chase them at altitude early? Is there a way Colorado can do that, um, set a trap, and is there a way the Sharks can avoid it? Well, I think what we saw tonight is we finally saw uh, this this series take on an edge. We haven't seen it through the first four games. This game five absolutely had some some. I, I like to use the word hate. That's a strong word, let's say, but um, it had an edge to it where there were some guys taking runs at each other, and the Sharks really got the best of them when it came to the physicality side of it. So, for me, I think the Sharks are used to playing a physical game. I would not let up on that physical game here in game six. Um, continue to try to get under the skin of some of their players, taking time and space away. But, you know, the Sharks, when they have four lines rolling and they can play a little more physical, we saw what we, you know, we're going to see what, what we'll see in game six here. But I like what I saw tonight. And, you know, we got the 2-1 win because of it. I couldn't help but laugh a little bit when Jumbo and Grubauer got into it. Uh, were, were you laughing at that a little bit? Because just Jumbo was just cool as a cucumber there and, and Grubauer was not. You're right. I mean, that's always a telltale sign when, when you can see a little bit of frustration from one of the players. This just happened to be Grubauer, their goaltender. It was a delayed offside, and Jumbo, Joe Thornton behind the net, touched the puck and forced that you know faceoff to come out of the neutral zone uh, on that uh, delayed offside. And Grubauer came out and gave Jumbo a slash, and Jumbo didn't take it. He went right <laughs> after Grubauer, and that's when we saw the convergence of those two going at it toe-to-toe, if you will, um, with the verbal uh, communication, if you will, from a close range. Uh, nonetheless, always good to get under the goaltender's skin.
Yeah, no, it was uh, it was fun, and uh, that's the other thing about this man, the Stanley Cup playoffs. I uh, I know this is no uh, you're you're no stranger to the Stanley Cup playoffs, Brad. But yeah, I mean, I'd imagine this never gets old, man. You've been doing it your entire life, and as a Sharks fan, they came to this uh, you know the Bay Area when I was nine years old, and it never gets old, man. This is just every year it just seems to get more fun. It really is, and and this playoff in particular, we saw. A lot of number one seeds get knocked off. Calgary, obviously, from the west. Tampa Bay from the east. And it just seems now you look at Carolina already advanced to the Eastern Conference final. Uh, nobody thought they would be doing what they're doing, although I kind of thought they would. I knew you know, Rod Brennamore, one of my best friends, is their new head coach this mm-hmm. year, first time behind the bench. And Justin Williams uh, won a cup with both those guys, and Williams is their captain. You couldn't ask for two better guys to start that organization and turn it around because of the way they treat people and the way they conduct themselves on a daily basis. So we're seeing this new crop of teams kind of rise to the occasion, and obviously the Sharks are right there on the doorstep of moving on to the conference final. Always a pleasure, Brett. I uh, love talking to you, and I love listening to your work on the broadcasts, of course. And uh, now I'll be looking forward to uh, syncing the radio broadcast with the television broadcast, as uh, I know Dan would want me to point that out. He's tweeted out instructions, and uh, I I do it myself, and it does make for a great listen. You guys are doing a great job. I really appreciate your time again, man, and we will talk soon, all right? Well, thanks so much for having me on, and, uh, and go Sharks. Brett Hedekin, everyone, color commentator for the San Jose Sharks. Now, let's segue to a little Pete DeBoer. Uh, I think our commitment to our, our game plan. Um, you know, I thought in game four, we had uh, spurts of commitment, you know, to being physical, to being hard, to winning battles. Um, I thought tonight it was 60 minutes of it from everybody. And, you know, this time of year, that's what you need. And Tomas Hurdle echoed those sentiments on playing a full 60. Yeah, for sure. I think for right away from start, all 60 minutes we play hockey, and Jonesy was again amazing. He made a couple of great saves again, and and we, we take over this game. But we have to be ready because we know in Colorado they will come hard, and they will, you know, we've been there, but we want to finish there. But we have to play like like that again. And here's a little more from DeBoer on Hurdle and Logan Couture. Yeah, I thought he was a horse tonight. I thought I thought him and Logan Couture uh, were fantastic for us. You know, and you need those two guys up the middle of the ice uh, when you're playing a team like this. And I thought I thought they were both great from the face-off circle. You know, all 200 feet of the ice, penalty killing. You know, those two guys really, I thought, uh, and the minutes reflected that. And Martin Jones is never exactly long-winded, but he did weigh in on their penalty kill. Yeah, it was uh, it was it was a great team effort by everybody for sure. Uh, um, penalty kill was really good. Um, you know, forecheck was good. Breakouts were good. So, uh, yeah, it was good. Like we've talked about, the Sharks did get a goal taken away in this game once again this postseason. First, we'll get a little Nyquist and then some DeBoer. No, we just kept going. I, I, we didn't really spend much time thinking about that. We just kept going, and I thought we did a good job of that. Well, you know, I just stick with it. I liked how we were playing. You know, I loved our, how we started. I liked our first period. I thought we were putting a lot of pressure on them. I thought, you know, I could tell that we were we were ready to play and and uh, and committed to to what we wanted to do. So, you know, it's not frust- as frustrating uh, when that happens when your team is playing the way it is because we we knew, you know, that uh, we were gonna get opportunities for some more. Oh, and we did have a Joe Pavelski sighting at Game 5, which led to a question about his status and maybe a handicapping. DeBoer wouldn't go that far, but he was uh, uh, he was optimistic. 
or what you he's getting closer to get back. Getting, getting getting close so i can't can't handicap it but he's getting close and DeBoer didn't know that moment with Pavelski stoking the flames that the fans inside SAP Center was going to happen, which led to a pretty cute comment from DeBoer. Seriously. No, I didn't know it was going to happen, but, you know, give you, give you a chill-type moment, you know, that type of ovation. And, um, you know, I think our coaching staff would give him the same ovation when we find out he's back. <laughs> <laughs> I got to admit, I love the idea of Pete DeBoer cracking up at his own material in front of a throng of reporters after a Stanley Cup playoff game, but that's why we like Pete DeBoer. So that's a positive note for us to end it on. Sharks up 3-2 in the series after a huge 2-1 win in Game 5. They can close it out Monday night in Colorado. I think they're going to. I don't think this series comes back to SAP Center. If it does, hey, I get to go to another game. I got no problem with that. But I think the Sharks close this out Monday night in Colorado, and then it'll be on to the Western Conference Finals. But let's see where we are when all is said and done. Remember, each episode of Morning Tide drops the morning after each San Jose Sharks playoff game. You can get it on iTunes. You can get it on Google Play. You can get it on Spotify. You can get it on SoundCloud. The Sharks share it on all their digital and social platforms, so we make this easily accessible to you so you can get the Sharks talk you need in your life. All right, again, that wraps it up for the San Jose Sharks. I'm Ted Ramey, signing off. Thank you for listening to the San Jose Sharks Morning Tide with Ted Ramey. Music composed by Yogi Yend. New episodes appear each morning after Sharks playoff games on the Sharks Sharks digital digital platforms. platforms.